This is the Beyond the Studio podcast. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll have honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. If you find value in listening to these conversations, please consider leaving us a rating and a review or sharing some of your favorite episodes with your creative community. It's the easiest way to show us some love and help others find the podcast. Beyond the Studio is a fiscally sponsored project of Independent Arts and Media, I Am, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can now make contributions to the podcast by going over to our website, beyondthe.studio slash about. Just click on the button that says donate here. All donations made through IAM are tax deductible. Your support is greatly appreciated and goes directly towards sustaining the work of the podcast. If you're a fan of the podcast and want to share what you're learning beyond the studio, please consider submitting to our listener spotlight to be featured on our social media channels. It's also the best way to pitch yourself to be a guest on the show. Just follow the link in our show notes or on the contact page of our website, beyondthe.studio. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to drop in a quick reminder that we're still compiling audio for our 100th episode, which is next week. So we're asking our listeners, what's one change that you would like to see happen in the art world? What's something you're learning beyond the studio or thinking about in your practice? And we want to hear from you. So feel free to send us a voice memo or an email at beyondthestudiopodcast at gmail.com and we'll be putting those together for next week's episode and uh, thanks for listening here's this week's episode all right on today's episode of beyond the studio we're doing things a little bit differently if you've been listening for a while you may remember that last valentine's day we did an episode with our creative partners and romantic partners Uh, Dave Coulson and Michael York, and we thought it would be fun to have them back on the show again a year later as the kind of two beyond the studio, behind the scenes members of the team, and uh, we thought we'd just put you right right in front. The unsung heroes of Beyond the Studio. <laughs> yes, the unsung heroes. And if you haven't listened to that episode before, I definitely recommend it. It gives a little history to uh, Dave and Mike. And we thought today we could just kind of have a conversation, talk about what we've been up to in our own creative practices, what we've been learning. Um, even when Nicole and I interviewed each other, we recorded those like six months ago now. So again, there's there's just always new stuff to talk about. So as always, this will be pretty informal and even less formal than usual. So thank you, Mike and Dave, for being on the show again. Sure thing. Yeah, thanks for having us. I can't believe you guys were willing to come back on the podcast a second time. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, no problem at all. Happy to do just it. another one of the many ways you guys have supported the show. Yeah, we're, we're big fans, you might say. <laughs> yeah, well, also for even more context, um, I mean, if you've been listening to Beyond the Studio, you probably know that Amanda and I used to be roommates, um, both for a year while we were at MICA in art school together, um, but then for a couple of years after we each graduated. And that's, I would say, where like the origin of the podcast came about, because the two of us having conversations in our kitchen about 
navigating life as emerging artists, art and business was really what seeded the idea for what later became Beyond the Studio. But what we maybe forget to mention sometimes is that Mike and Dave were a really big part of those conversations. And yeah, it wasn't just us. <laughs> I, I think we've both been dating for similar amounts of time. Um, well, y'all are married, but we've all known each other yeah, for... Yeah, it's been like 10 years. Yeah, like a decade. Or 11. Which is crazy. Is this year going to be 11? This year, yeah. This year will be 11. Yeah. Yeah, so I we feel like we just have this long history of friendship, and we used to have, yeah, just really great conversations all together in our kitchen of our shared shared apartment in Baltimore years back. So really this episode was just an excuse to get the four of us together again, to feel like we were having those kitchen conversations about life and business and everything we were going through in our own creative careers. Yeah. And to be honest, this is much better than those. Well, aside from the fact that we're not together in person, I think This is better than those kitchen conversations because we all are in spaces that have heat now. Unlike I was just going to say the same thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very true. We've come so far. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Having control of the temperature of our place—that's. This is actually the first time we've ever had that. Yeah, but we had heat in the last apartment. We did have heat, but we couldn't control it. It Stayed at a pretty good temperature. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm trying to remember, I, th- there was just no heat at all, or it was like sort of an older mm-hmm. system, no, no heat no at all? Heat, no I think the all. issue was the building wasn't insulated, and there were some baseboard heaters, but they weren't I don't think they worked very well, though. We had an elaborate yeah. system of space heaters plugged into mm-hmm. various electrical oh, outlets. That's yep. what I remember. But it was one yes. of those, like, you know, you can turn on this space heater and this space heater together, but if you add one more, the fuse in the whole building will go out. So yes. you had to know which electrical outlets were connected so that you didn't turn on the yes. wrong combination of space heaters. Yep. Oh, it's all coming back to me now. I'm remembering all the little rules of like, you can't use Just the microwave. Just a flood of terrible memories. Yeah, no microwave and blender at the same time. You can't vacuum and use the microwave at the same time. Just no two appliances functioning at the same time. And where's the, um, wasn't the circuit breaker like... like In the terrible basement. In the laundry room. Yeah. In the laundry room. So you had to go outside to go into outside the, the, the alleyway. Yep. Um, really take your life in your hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> venture down there. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and just to, to have heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can confidently say that that was the worst place that I've ever lived. However, I did have the With best roommates With the best people. <laughs> yes. I also had the worst roommates in that apartment, but you were not them. And that's oh, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I would never, I would never Surprise. play a podcast. Uh with a bad roommate. That's just... Hey, I mean, sometimes dumb. you have great friends and you just can't be roommates with. So That's true. You know, that's very true. Lucky in that regard. Yeah, That's definitely. very true. Yeah, I feel like I remember when we... Or when I was thinking about, like, do we want to do a business together? I was thinking, like, well, if we could be roommates, I feel like that's a really good sign because we clearly know how to talk to each other and work through our issues and, like be able to ask things of each other and already have had shared finances. So it's it just seemed like a, an easy segue. Yeah. Because I didn't want you to leave, and it was the only way I could move on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the exact sort of conversation, or was it a series of conversations that led you to 
form the podcast or was it sort of like a seed of an idea that gained momentum over time or was it just like one productive evening you sort of crystallized? I feel like it was a very specific phone call that we had where it was like around Christmas time or New Year's. Yeah, I remember it. We were kind of both in transition and we were just like, I don't know what to do, but I, I want something else. And we both kind of, I don't know, I felt like we both kind of had the same idea on our own. And then we're like, wait, we could combine these. Yeah, I actually do remember the exact conversation because I had just moved, well, we just moved out to San Francisco, Mm. um, you and I, Dave, like a few months prior, and I was still doing a little bit of recruitment for Micah um, because I'd left my full-time job in admissions to come out here, but I was on this trip to Seattle and Portland for uh, like a college fair event, and the Portland event ended up getting canceled because of an ice storm. And so I was just in Portland, but there was no event all of a sudden. So I was just snowed into this hotel room for a day. And that was when Amanda called me and kind of pitched the idea for the podcast. So I think like it was definitely seated, you know, way back when we used to live together and really because of the conversations the four of us used to have. But the real like you know, pitch of like, let's start a podcast together came when we came out to California. Mm. Yeah, I remember, I remember sort of like you talking about it. And then, you know, next thing I know, there's this like really sick intro track that, you know, just like kicks it off. And, and, you know, it went from just an idea, like a sketch to like a fully formed like, oh, this is legit. Yeah, It always felt legit, which was cool. It always felt real. Like, it always felt like it had... You guys always had a direction, which I feel like you got in pretty early podcast-wise to where it felt unique and it felt... Well, still feels unique and feels like it has a place. Like, you guys have definitely made your own place within the podcast and art world that I don't think that anybody else fills, which is which is really cool. I mean, it's awesome. I always tell Amanda, it's awesome seeing how you guys have grown over the last few years and just like what you guys have done. And I, I feel like it couldn't have failed just knowing both of your personalities and also of like where you were going with what you wanted to do. Like it made sense that it was going to succeed, but um, it's just very cool to see how much it has succeeded in the short period of time that you guys have done it. So it, it lends itself to feeling like there'll be a, like a bright future with that as well. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Mike. Well, it's funny because I feel like this idea of starting before you feel ready comes up a lot in conversations with other artists on the podcast. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we definitely have felt like, you know, things have started to snowball slowly. And I think, you know, when you're working towards something and you've kind of identified your mission, then, you know, you find new partners and collaborators. And it's been really cool to feel like we're a part of something that's kind of bigger than us, you know, or like our individual practices. I think the podcast definitely gives us some sense of meaning beyond our, you know, individual work as artists and Mm -hmm. motivates us to keep going with it. But yeah, I mean, in case uh, anyone uh, did not listen to that episode a year ago on creative partnerships or creative relationships, I think is what we called it. Um, you already know Mike and Dave's work, even if you don't realize you know it, because Mike created our amazing intro music for Beyond the Studio. And our ad music. Yeah. We have that in. Oh, yeah. 
And Dave is um, pretty much responsible for our entire visual identity. So all of our branding, our website, what you see on social media, um, all originated with um, Dave's expertise. So they've really been, um, I mean, you guys have been instrumental, honestly, in this project. And I feel like that's important to mention because, um, you know, this is true with any creative project, but there are so many more people behind the scenes than what might be apparent um, that go into making something happen. And so I think, you know, the theme of our conversation last year was really about how do we navigate uh, life at like together as artists and what is it like to be like in partnership with somebody who is from a different discipline but like shares that creative passion and is also working towards their own goals and like building their own you know creative life and path and I feel like that's a really special thing that we're able to share together but there's just been countless ways that you know you guys have both helped with the podcast which is I think really meaningful for us and yeah, we're just grateful for all the work that you put in. And even now it's, you know, what, like 9 or 10 p.m. on the East Coast and Mike and Amanda are recording with us because we're three hours ahead here on the West Coast and we just finished work. And so, um, yeah, so if I mean, we all sound a little tired, we might be, <laughs> but we're also happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just feel like like these are all the like big and small sacrifices and negotiations like you know you make um for your partner and for like projects and things that you care about and so I just feel like it can't be said enough how you know valuable that is and like making something a reality like we definitely couldn't do this alone and I think it's really um you guys Mike and Dave that keep keep us going and motivated and um, you know, have helped us out in very like real tangible ways, but also just in the like behind the scenes emotional support and everything that goes into trying to trying to make something happen. I mean, I, I obviously I appreciate that at all. I'm sure Dave does as well. But I feel like you guys have kind of built this yourself, like ha- very happy to have helped like in whatever small way. But I mean, I'm not the one editing this thing every week. I'm not the one interviewing people every week. I'm not the one like reading books about the people that are coming on to your podcast every week. And like you guys have to do a lot of research and have to do a lot of work on top of work, like on top of other things that you do. And I think that it shows. I mean, it's not like that you have a huge team of people behind you doing everything. And I think, yeah, you know, obviously I'm happy to play any small part of helping it because I believe in what you guys do. I'm sure Dave feels the same way. And that's why it's easy to do those kinds of things because you believe in the thing that, that is being presented or the thing that you're working on. But I think that it's, it's really like your guys vision. Pretty impressive to just see what you guys have done so far. Yeah. I would echo that sentiment and add that, you know, I think your passion is sort of infectious, just, the commitment level and yeah, the amount of, I, I just think watching, watching you both sort of bring it to life and sustain yeah, it and build it is just really exciting. So, uh, it's not so much of a, Oh, am I going to lend my services? It's more of like, Oh, I want to be part of this. Like this is yeah, a cool thing definitely. and you just jump in. Right. Um, definitely. so that that's one part of it. And then the second part I would add is, 
you know, you just credited me with like crafting the visual identity. But what I would add is that it was so collaborative, right? It really started with, you know, to, to be really just get into it. Like Amanda had created these film scans, you know, and, and there's just something really, really fascinating about that, um, that idea. And then Nicole is doing like, she's referencing like Solowit sketches and, you know, something geometric and, and sort of evergreen and, and interesting, uh, interesting forms. And that kind of informs, you know, the album artwork that you see and everything that's layered on top of that is like honoring these initial sort of ideas that Amanda and Nicole had about, you know, what what's vibing with them, what, right, going back to what Mike said about vision, it's like, really, really was your vision. It's just, you know, oh, I, I can sort of connect the dots. Um, and, but it felt very collaborative. And, and when yeah. Nicole wanted to, you know, reimagine the web experience too, like the website, that was like a huge undertaking. But, um, you know, she had a pretty solid idea of what she wanted it to look like, sort of like a tapestry of each episode running into the next. And, you know, it just has this, it's like each, the previous episode grounds the next episode and, you know, it needs to lend itself to the variety of, of imagery that you're going to be ultimately receiving from different artists. So it's just like so vast, right? You, you never know what you're going to get. So you really have to kind of solve for all, all possibilities. And, and that, that's a constraint, right? It's like, okay, we know we're not going to be able to photograph each artist in studio with the same sort of treatment, the same sort of aesthetic. So I think you've done a great job of embracing that, celebrating that, and and just, you know, it, it looks like a lot more mature and a lot more established right out of the gate than I think I would imagine most pod- podcasts uh, are. So I think it's just exciting to, yeah, it's like we spend hours just kind of talking about it and then... But it never feels like work or like a chore. It's just sort of fun to, to, to be part of. Yeah, pretty proud of our website. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Beyond the Dot Studio, uh, we built it ourselves, as Dave is saying, and um, yeah, it looks, yeah, it looks I think... great. <laughs> and the we um, Nicole is speaking of is Nicole and Dave. Not Mike and I. We did not build the website. No, I just I kept giving that. Nicole the thumbs up, and I'm like, if you need to like give me the password to do anything to it, let me know. But it sounds like you actually know what you're doing, and I don't. But I love hearing you guys talk about the the website and the way that you built it out because I feel like even hearing you guys communicate back and forth on the way that you developed that helped me kind of understand like our vision for the podcast too, like the focus on the approach of like using the film texture to kind of add this very tangible aspect to the website, making it feel almost like a publication or like a zine. Mm -hmm. And Mm. that also adds this very cohesive, you know, visual aspect. I feel really lucky to be connected to that website because I'm like, here's something sexy I didn't do, but I get to, my name's on it. (laughs) Yeah, same here. Well, and I feel like these are the kinds of things that, you know, like we are a podcast for artists and designers. And so we care about art and design and we want like everything we put out to reflect that. And so I think like trying to elevate the quality of whatever we're doing um, 
And like, you know, it should be said this, we didn't like launch with this. I just want to say for, you know, people that are listening or starting new projects, like we had a very basic like Squarespace, like templated website. And so it was only after some time and like, you know, a lot of kind of investment that it really evolved, um, investment in terms of time to like build, build it into what it is, you know, to this point where we feel like we are really proud of it. And, and then I feel like that helps to like generate other opportunities and like we get compliments on our, on our website. And I think it's, it's helped with Mm -hmm. landings, podcast sponsorships with speaking engagements. I mean, you know, those kinds of things, it just becomes part of your whole, like, professional presentation online so I think those things really do make a difference and just kind of like really trying to elevate the like quality or standard of whatever you're creating um, reflects back on the project and I feel like your guys website feels less like a website and more like a portfolio piece it feels more like something that you would not I mean I'm sure sponsorships are easier with something that looks as nice and as kind of flows the way that it does but I feel like it the website in and of itself feels like an art piece which I feel like says a lot about kind of how you tackle the podcast says a lot about how you tackle the business side of the podcast is that it never feels stale and sterile and you know it it doesn't feel that way it feels loose with kind of how the film scans feel where it feels blown out and bright but not bright it feels grainy and imperfect but when you look at the designed aspect of it the design is you know perfect in the way of how it looks so it's like there's kind of these battling juxtapositions between how things look on the website as well as the content that you create that I think ends up making it feel like you guys are more than just a podcast and it I feel like most of what you guys do feels closer to like um I don't know necessarily what it would I mean, I guess in the art world, it would be the same thing, but more of like a collective of something that it feels more like, oh, I um, like, that. like taking in information with a community and then kind of redistributing that information in a community to like allow everybody to understand why this is the way something feels or why this is the way that we do this or I don't know. It just feels like you guys are kind of just a place where information can be found and it's not gatekept and it feels interesting to continue to dive into and um i think your website shows that it shows that you guys really tap into the artistry side of everything versus just being here's a website for the podcast that we do like it 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 feels like it's kind of own entity which is rare and also Mm. very cool i think that's that's a very cool thing now don't tell them how much i paid you to say that (laughs) i'm just kidding Yeah, credits to Dave for the website. <laughs> credits, credits to the team. Um, you know, I, I just think about the podcast, right? And the podcast is, I think what makes it so successful is, like you said, um, Mike, it's not stale. It's sort of, um, it, it's, it's narrative driven, right? It's, it's like people's like lived experience. Like, you know, it's, it's all the hard lessons they've learned along the way. Um, and I can just imagine if you're, you know, like an artist at any point in your career, there's just some valuable insight in, in or multiple in every episode that you can glean and either apply or just, you know, you're just better informed about like, you know, what you're up against, what's available to you resource wise, just experience wise. How else could you have these conversations or meet these people? Right. Um, and it's just like over what you're nearing a hundred episodes now, like that's, it's just such a such a 
like a rich archive of, of, you know, enjoyable story. Like you just, you can dive into anybody's experience. Like I can listen to like a sculptor or, you know, a, 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 an illustrator or something that's maybe not exactly what I do, what I, my focus is in my career and just learn something really useful and applicable. So, um, but it doesn't feel like learning. It feels like, oh, I'm just listening to the story, this interesting story. And you're asking great questions to kind of um, bring it to life. So I, I think that's the success. Yeah. Like thinking about that as like myself being younger, I feel like the only place that I could ever get the information of the things, I, regardless what it would be that I'd be interested in, whether it be music or you know, some sort of digital art or recording arts or something, whatever it would be, like there wasn't much to turn to versus magazines you subscribe to or, mm-hmm. you know, by my late teens, you know, websites that you would read or things like that. There was never the idea of a podcast that you could interview people that were actually doing the things that you wanted to do, that these people would also talk to you about like how that actually looked. There was always kind of a um, just a curtain pulled in front of a lot of that because you never really had an opportunity to see what those things looked like. You could read it in books, you could read it in articles of you know artists and stuff being reviewed or interviewed or whatever, but you never got like an hour and a half just uncut conversation with somebody about what it's actually like to do what they do. And I think that that's kind of an invaluable resource at this point, information, especially nearing 100th episode. I mean, you obviously have like Dave said, like a really great archive now of conversations with people that there's a lot of people that probably would have never had the opportunity to be able to hear. I definitely didn't imagine the 100th episode when we started the podcast. I mean, I didn't really, I feel like we didn't have any expectations. We were like, we're trying something we have no knowledge of or no experience in, and we're just going to throw it out there and see what happens. But I feel like you guys both touched on something that has been kind of a takeaway that Nicole and I have definitely been reflecting and or reflecting on in our conversations behind the scenes. And it's that idea of like being able to glean so much from individual artist stories and how I think in the past we were presented with like very obvious examples of success. And by obvious, I mean like the globe considers this person successful, uh, basically. (laughs) And I think maybe I'm projecting, but like, I think there's a lot of recognition in in ourselves individually of seeing like, that's not what I want for myself, but I want to succeed, but it doesn't look like that. And the more conversations we have with artists, the more I see that like, there are so many ways to be an artist. And there are so many ways that we can learn from each other, from each other's stories and experiences, regardless of whether those examples look anything like our own lives, but Mm -hmm. being able to open up and have conversations with each other. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you feel it, Nicole, but since we started our recording cycle again, after our long pause, like I'm constantly thinking about the conversations that we have on the podcast and reflecting back on the the things that we're thinking about and the the themes that keep coming up and i i feel like we keep having this theme come up of like the importance of acknowledging everyone's story and how we can learn from everyone's story and how at each point in time in our lives we're all learning things and and we can learn from each other in all of these 
point. So like the more conversations we can have and the more open we can be in all of these various career points and transitions and experiences, the more we can kind of help each other through that. And even though I have a lot of like crummy feelings about <laughs> like social media and technology, it does also create a lot of opportunity to be open and to, to have these conversations. And I know that as salty as I am, you know, without the internet, social media, whatever, like we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. I, I feel like we probably have a lot of conversations, Nicole and I, and then we take them back to Mike and Dave and like continue to unpack them as we're like making dinner or whatever at the house. Uh, so I always love when I'm like, oh yeah, we're talking about the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. Even just last night, um, Dave was helping me brainstorm um, title ideas for our panel um, mm-hmm. event with ICASF that's coming up next month. And then when Amanda and I got together this afternoon for our virtual networking event at Ringling, <laughs> you were like, oh, Mike and I were talking about the title last night while we were <laughs> making dinner. So. Yep. We're just living these parallel lives on the opposite coasts. And- That's funny. <laughs> yeah, we just need the technology to create the teleportation device so that we can just quickly get back and forth and have that roommate-like <laughs> yeah. vibe. But yes, I feel like after we talked, I immediately was like, oh yeah, Mike, all the things that we talked about last night, the exact same things Dave and Nicole talked about, they came to the same conclusions. We're all still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have to make this entire episode about the podcast itself, um, as much as I love hearing about how <laughs> valuable the work we're doing is. Yeah, thank you no, for I'm talking us up to our listeners. <laughs> if, you, if you have been hate listening, I hope you are love listening now. <laughs> no, but this, I mean, this really does feel special because, it, like, I just can't, I don't know, those conversations we just used to have all together, the four of us, were so valuable and I think kind of like what you're saying Amanda it just you know talking with other artists and creatives really does help to broaden your perspective and being able to like share really openly about whatever you're going through and then getting insights from friends or like hearing how other people have navigated through that it just um, it does so much for you and so I feel like um, yeah it's really cool to get to like invite you guys back on because like you're saying Amanda we get to have these conversations independently like offline (laughs) you know every time we like hit stop or close our laptops for the night but it's it's cool to get to invite you guys onto the podcast for um, what's now well only the second time but actually I think we might be recording this a year to the date after our last episode with the four of us that's kind of what I was thinking because I think we recorded it our first night in the house, which was the day after Valentine's Day. And that is where we are now. So it also is our first full year in the house. Hey, in congrats. Your house. Wow. Well, cheers to cheers. that. Yeah. Cheers. Mm. We finished our drink drinks, but now we're hydrating. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just make this an annual tradition of <laughs> the four of us talking together. Hopefully we don't have to wait a year to get the band together. Yeah. Really. I know. We're. I'm trying very hard to find a way to make it happen. Um, although well, you'll be out there soon. I still think back to the fact that we happenstance ended up in Hawaii at the same time. Like that. Oh right? yeah. Still yeah. blows my yeah. mind because that is such a very mm-hmm. specific and also like the same island, the same same area. Same area. Like it's very like just. I mean, I've been there 
not often. You know, I was gonna say that's the first and only time I've ever been there. So I yeah, mean, and and it's like we happen to run into each other. Like that yeah. is that is the best. So that yeah, that was awesome. That was really great. I wish yeah. that we could have spent more time together. Yeah. yeah, I look forward to planning a podcast vacation one day. Yeah, yeah, we'll go back to Honolulu for official yeah. podcast business this time. Or what's, Why not? What's the center point between Baltimore and San Francisco? Definitely Honolulu. There's gotta be there's gotta be like a cool spot, like maybe Chicago. It's, maybe mm, that feels like more. Definitely not dead center. Probably. If it was probably New Orleans would be the oh. closest center? center. No way. I mean, because Texas is going to be closer to the west. Did you say New Orleans? Yeah. Well, it's not center for me, but it's center for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, saying, we'll like, go to all of these cities gladly. No, I'm thinking it's probably got to be like... I'm thinking like dead center Midwest somewhere. Oh, I was yeah. just thinking middle. Definitely of the Midwest. Saying, oh yeah, if we're thinking anywhere in the middle, guys, of the world, it's, it's probably Tempe, Arizona, or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to pull up a map. <laughs> Actually, Wichita. Oh, well, Wichita could be could be dead center. Ooh, do we have listeners? in I Wichita? mean, I'm just eyeballing it. But. <laughs> Are we going to do our first podcast meetup in Wichita? Should we come to Kansas? <laughs> I've actually never been to Kansas. Or or Albuquerque. I've never been to New Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. There you go. That might be veering a little west, but, you know, we, we would love to um, visit Meow Wolves. Santa Fe would be good. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because we had interviewed Katie Kennedy, one of the co-founders of Meow Wolf, last year. And that's yeah. been on my bucket list ever since. Great episode. Same. I mean, we're what open about- to travel. I think our goal is to do more live podcast events. So What if we, what if we fudge it and it's just Austin? It's like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I we mean, can pick anywhere we want. Legit, I love Austin, so I'd yeah. go there in a heartbeat. I yeah. think, I mean... I, I, I mean, was, I was born there, so... Are you serious? Yeah. I always forget that. No. We were born in Texas. That's crazy. Yep. That's right. I was born in Austin. My family moved to Florida when I was two. And I lived there until I was an adult. And then I was like, I'm leaving. And... The one so abroad wait, and then wh- came to Mecca. Where were your folks? Your folks were passing through Austin or they lived in Austin? They lived in Austin. They, they were, were passing through. Had Amanda. Passing through. Just passed through. Passed through. Through. <laughs> Popped me out. Stuck around you for two know. years and left. You never know. No. Uh, they lived in Austin. They like built their house there. They thought they were going to settle down there. And then I think maybe my dad had been offered a position at the... My dad's a golf pro. Uh, my dad was offered a position in Florida and it was like, I think a better position than what he had at the golf course he was at in Texas. And so they moved and it was like right when hurricane Andrew happened. So it, that was real tricky. Uh, I have no recollection. Don't, don't recall it at all, but, uh, yeah, I don't remember living in Texas when we went to Austin. It felt like it was my first time. It's a cool Mm -hmm. city. Love it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Dave's gotten to travel there for work. Yeah, w- once or twice. Yeah, I think that can be the middle. That can be the middle, or just do South by Southwest. You don't have to pay for anything. You just set up and say, "Here's our show." Ooh, you don't have to pay a dime. <laughs> okay. I mean, Great. you can podcast pay, you, meet up at Austin. I mean, you can pay money to like be part of a like an actual panel there and get a wristband and stuff but there's a million things that are like happening at bars and stuff that's just free it's really just 
oh, we're having a unofficial blank meetup at this place, and you just plan a thing, and if a bar lets you do it, then you can do it. I mean, I feel like most bands go down there and, like, do, <laughs> like, show, like, they'll do shows down there a lot of times that aren't official shows. So oh, it's like, crazy. Okay. But they, d- yeah, at the same time, so they're, like, getting I mean, we played, South like, by Southwest traffic. maybe five or seven shows during South by Southwest, and I think one of them might have been official. The rest of them were just, mm. like, record label showcases that a bar let them rent out the bar and, like, have it down there. But if you, but it's all free. So, I mean, every show and stuff is packed because mm. people are just cool. waiting to walk in somewhere. So This might actually yeah. be cool. a good segue because the last time we talked, we talked about how Mike had lost... Uh, like touring opportunities through COVID. But within the last year, you actually have been able to do a little bit of touring, not with your band, but with mm-hmm. um, your your solo project, Swan. Mm-hmm. How, has, how has it been, I guess, with your... What have you been learning in your creative projects over the last year since we last talked to you on the podcast? And Dave, I'm asking you the same thing, so start thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, mm. and you have time, you know, like, what have I, what are, what are some things that you have been thinking about in your studio? What have you been trying to teach yourself? What have you been? uh, Less refinement. I think I've gotten to a point as an artist that I think refinement just totally destroys the thing that I'm looking at. And I feel like most of the time I am way happier with the way something sounds pretty uh, rough around the edges or looks rough around the edges of its, you know, visual art or, you know, like any sort of like video. I don't know. I think I've just grown to try to like edit less and just come up with kind of more concise ideas and being more intentional about the things that I'm doing versus like, like, you have a photographer that takes a thousand pictures so they can find the perfect one versus somebody who loads a roll of film. They only have a certain number of exposures. They're going to get the exposures they want and not try to just get a million things and edit them down. I think I'm trying to think more in the analog realm of letting things be imperfect because those are the things that I'm attracted to versus trying to make things fit into a mold that I think commercially works better. I mean, I think commercially you're probably going to fall into a realm where most stuff needs to be pretty perfect. And I think I'm kind of trying to go as far in the opposite direction of that as possible. And knowing that that's probably a more difficult route in a lot of ways, but that's the thing that's given me kind of the most, uh, I don't know, excitement in making something. Yeah, trying to be less um, critical about choices, like direct choices that I'm making when I'm making art mm. and trying to just allow the idea of what something might be and let, letting that be it. Because um, I feel like usually my earliest ideas and the ideas that I have are the ones that I feel are the best. And then when I start trying to refine them, sometimes they really get better, but a lot of times they seem to get worse. So <laughs> try, trying to trying to capture like that lightning in a bottle energy and not questioning it and just letting it be. I think that I've, I've noticed that that's the art that I've been attracted to for my whole life. Um, whether it be 
visual art, fine art, music, mm-hmm. you know, video, whatever. I, I think I've always been attracted to the, to the imperfect. So trying to almost capture that, I think, is more more my world. Do you feel like you're at a point in your career where you like have a clear sense of what you're looking for? Because I feel like that is possible when you have this foundation behind you of like, you know, technical skill built up over years of working and like honing your voice. And so, I mean, being able to like kind of be more concise, like you're describing seems like it would be a product of, of those years of working and now really like knowing what you're striving for. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've either come to terms with or just kind of seen in my own world of creating is that I feel like I spent a lot of time in my early and mid-20s kind of forcing everything that I create to have to fit a uh, career-minded mold or like forcing myself to be like, I'm an artist, so I need to create in order to succeed as an artist. Whereas now I think I'm finding a lot more kind of direction and happiness in the th- like having that foundation been set being excited about creating and being you know creating music or whatever it is that I'm doing but allowing myself to kind of break those rules too and not forcing it to be the be all and end all i think that i kind of burn myself out constantly creating and thinking that there was going to be this like giant release or big end goal of something that I think everybody thinks what regardless their medium that it's like man maybe this next one is gonna be it and regardless what it is what that is whether that be a filmmaker a musician or whatever I think everybody has that idea that whatever they're creating maybe that next thing will be the hit or the next thing will be it and I think I've radically tried to just like totally let go of that And I don't think I would have been able to let go of that had I not had the foundation of what I was creating before. I think going through the motions of a lot of stuff that I've kind of created over the years and just releasing albums and doing things like that, I think at this point it's just given me a lot more freedom to just explore. And I don't think I would have been able to do that had I not had that foundation. Yeah, I think that I wish that I could because a man, artists that can kind of come out of the gate with their first, second, third releases of whatever it is they're creating and them just be incredible. Mm-hmm. It's like mind mind blowing to see an artist that is so like, yep, here's the first thing I'm giving to the world and it is just great. And I think... Uh, yeah, there'll always be those stories of the kind of like breakout, young breakout star, but I think those tend to be the anomaly more often than not. And there's definitely totally. this like hustle mindset when you're maybe younger in your 20s of feeling like you just have to work as hard as you can and it's gonna lead to something even if you don't know what it is and I wonder if maybe it is a sign of like some evolution or growth to kind of recognize that okay we're in this for the long run so how can I work in a way that's more sustainable and it's more about the process than just trying to actually I think that's the best way to say it I think a lot of people get to a certain point where they just drop it you know and they're just like I did, you know, movies for a while, but boy, it got hard and I just decided to stop. But I think that when you get to a place where there is no, there's no option in stopping, like as much as maybe things get frustrating and crazy, you just, you can't turn your brain off from creating. So you just, your life is dedicated to creating. But because of that, you have to find a sustainable route. 
and you and you have to find something that's going to allow you to do that and have it not be uh something that's going to just destroy you every day so yeah i think like a lot of times you do have to go through those foundations to just kind of figure out what it is that you can do later on i was just gonna say i feel like a lot of times those anomalies are the stories that are often presented to us as like the example of success and it takes a lot of I don't know, like self-reflection and and time and showing up to your work to to figure out, like, do I subscribe to that? Does that work for me? Is that actually even my story? Like, why am I thinking about that story in relation to me and making comparisons? (laughs) Um, And I think that, I don't know, so much of the process is about trying to figure out what you want out of it and what you want to give to it and how I don't know I mean I might be projecting because so much of of my experience with it is like what feels right and what's what's the feeling of 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 what's the right approach for you um but I know that in like I mean in the podcast we're always trying to be like so so many examples all all equal all great examples of what can happen and I feel like you know as someone who lives with you I know we, I think I feel like we've both done a lot of comparing our own work and careers to other artists and thinking like, oh, it's so frustrating to see someone younger or, or maybe with a different experience being so successful and it's like, I'm still here showing up and I just want someone to see it or hear it. Um, and I think a lot of us have those experiences, but I guess that that's when you can like, well, it's almost, I think, at that I point, know. finding comfort not caring if somebody hears it. You're showing up because you're. Sh- it's there's something so deeply in ground, like in you, that if you don't create, that's the problem. Like, I think there's this barrier that cro- like it crosses at some point where it's just like I hope people hear it, I hope people like it, I hope people see it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But that ends up taking like the back seat to just like man, I just got to create this thing or I just feel like I want to do this thing, at least personally for me. I think that as much as I want people to enjoy the work that I make, I think now it's almost become a point where it's almost like the 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 reward is just the creation. And then hopefully people see it and enjoy it. But the reward is just like that, man, I did that. And like, again, personally, but that's that's a reward for me. It's just like the I finally did that. I did the thing that I was setting out to do, and I was able to accomplish it. Yeah, Mike. When I visited you guys um, in Baltimore last summer, when I was headed out to DC for my big install, you were working on teaching yourself all of these new skill sets around mm. and creating this whole like audio and visual performance for your yeah. new solo project. And I was just so impressed with how you were like really breaking out of your own like comfort zone and breaking the mold of what you've done in the past and like acquiring new skills to kind of bring this new vision that you had to life. And I wondered if you wanted to talk about that at all. Yeah, I mean, that truly was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Only because I, I told Amanda that it's are doing. You're definitely still, still doing it. it. Yeah, still doing it. But I mean, I think the hardest thing it was is that learning something new that you have no language for has been 
the hardest thing for me to be able to try to learn on your own, where it's, if I have a question, like the, the basis for most of what I was doing was either doing 3D rendering or doing animation or doing video work. But the thing that I have in my head, I know the effect that I want or the shot that I want or whatever it is that I'm trying to build, but I've never done any of this in my life. So I don't know like how to ask the questions that I want to ask to see the thing that I have in my head because I don't know what people call it. Whereas like when it comes to recording bands, it's very easy for me to be able to say like, oh, I, you know, I want this audio to, I want this kick drum to like have an, uh, like an equalization roll off at this frequency. And I know that language. So if somebody tells me that it's very easy mm -hmm. to say, oh yeah, okay, cool. I can, I can build that. No problem. Whereas in my head, I see certain visual elements to things and it's like, who the fuck do I ask this to? Like, like I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to like, You're like how do I even Google this question? Because I, I don't even it, know what to ask. And yeah. that's all it was is like, I, like most of what I was doing was also building this kind of call and answer network between two computers. So I had to set up my own, um, ethernet network in between them to be able to talk to one another, which is another thing I've never done in my life, like building, like networks of computers to be able to send information between one another. Because you were trying to simultaneously be the one managing both your visuals and your audio for your performance while you were the solo person performing. Right. So like everything is synced together. So you play music, that music is totally synced to a visual that's being fired through like MIDI responses and just like a ton of technical jargon stuff. But a lot of it was stuff that I had started understanding what it could do. But on the video side, it was just, I, I don't, I don't know. So that to me was like one of the most like exciting times in the past, like five years to me, because it was terrifying. You know, it's, it's, it's the moment where I accepted this tour to go on tour and saying, yep, I'm going to do this thing and not knowing how to do it. And I think there's something about that moment that's just like, all right, cool, let's figure out how to do it. And those are the moments that I thrive trying to dissect a puzzle or like whatever it's going to be. But yeah, I just, I think that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done as an artist, just because I've never had any, I've never had any other time in my life that I've ever really just taken on something that was like, all right, this is a giant thing that I have to figure out to make work in 90 days. Don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll guess I'll figure it out. And doing that, I think opened up other, oppor not opportunities like to, you know, on like touring side or anything like that, but opportunities for me to learn more um, and just kind of dive deeper into things that I, within that giant scope, stuff that I found really interesting it allowed me to say like, oh, I really enjoy doing 3D rendering stuff. So maybe I can kind of dive a little bit deeper into that and learn the language with that. And yeah, so I mean, I think that uh, it was a great opportunity, just definitely terrifying, not knowing how to do something and then just kind of the fake it till you make it thing, just saying like, yep, I'm, I got it, I'll figure it out. And, you know, really building what you see in your head. And but that being said, it's 
this kind of ties into what you guys do. I wouldn't have been able to do anything with this without kind of the other artist community that I have built um, with mm -hmm. other audiovisual artists that there's, there's literally no resource out there really for what I wanted to do other than this other artist that I really loved what he was doing. He basically walked me through the entire thing and helped me troubleshoot almost every wow. question that I had. Yeah, and you guys didn't really know each other. We before. we didn't know each other. Mm. Um, I mean, I it, it was really through Twitter over the last year that we've gotten to know one another. And wow. but the what he was doing was something that I was just like, this is exactly what I want to do. And like he helped me kind of make that come to life. But there's a, you can scour the internet for information on it, and there's almost Im like it's impossible to find the information on how to do what he taught me to do. So without him and without kind of like another built artist community, I probably would have never been able to kind of have what I see in my head come to life and as quick as I did. So, you know, I really owe it a lot to him and I owe it a lot to building kind of an artist community that's interested in helping one another. And, you know, kind of hearkening back to the thing about the podcast is something that's, it connects people, you know, so, like this kind of thing is, it's really hard to be able to know who to ask questions to or like what to do. But, you know, when you have a community driven platform, be it a podcast or be it something like Twitter, where you have communities of people that you can talk to, you know, it's, it's, it's just so beneficial. It's just really, really unbelievably beneficial. Yeah. Well, I feel like you bring that same spirit that so many artists do to their work of starting starting before you've really figured out how you're going to make the thing happen or even like know what questions to ask but just relating back to what um we were saying earlier about starting before you you are fully ready i think it's just like diving into that process and then like new new questions and interests emerge out of that for you to continue to definitely yeah you know um to pursue definitely yeah. Now, this is, sorry, a very abrupt segue, but I want to make sure that we talk to Dave here. <laughs> yeah, Dave, how you doing? What's going on with you? What have you been learning beyond the studio? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what Mike just touched on resonates with me. Um, where to begin? I, I thought it was really interesting what you talked about, the, uh, the, the sort of just the, the process of like discovering that the making is maybe... The most gratifying part and, and moving past the, oh, if I do this, then this will happen in my career. Um, I think that's really uh, insightful and just a good piece of information. Like I, I remember listening to like a Billie Eilish and her brother, what's her brother's name? Phineas. Phineas. Phineas and, and Billie Eilish. Yeah. Like an interview with them and they just talk about how like Obviously, she's really knocked it out of the park with her first album, right? Um, and arguably her follow-up album, too. But One of those anomalies we were talking about. Yeah, I, but, but, you know, she was the first to acknowledge that, you know, just the odds of, of doing that consistently are pretty, it's pretty rare, you know? And she cited Drake as, like, maybe somebody who can consistently just, every album just is a, you know, just hits. But I think that's really eye-opening. And I'm reminded, I, I, I don't know if I was watching, I'm trying to think back, I remember watching a documentary once. I don't know if it was like about that, um, 
that like music tycoon David Geffen. Oh yeah. And uh, I think at one point he was working with um, Neil Young and of course Neil Young legend. And I think just the prospect of, of signing him to the label or working with him in some capacity just felt like the smartest business decision that you could make. But even Neil Young at that point in his career tried to t- take like a big swing and kind of whiffed, you know, I think he released an album that it just wasn't as well received, wasn't as sort of, you know, it just, it, it just didn't, it didn't hit. So I, I'm just reminded of that all the time that it's like, as long as you're making the work, you know, that's the important thing. And don't worry so much about like the doors that will open because I think, you know, that they are opening in big and small ways all the time. And you just have to be stick with it, I think, is the the, the best advice um, that, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of learned is just, you know, you never know. You know, I don't think I've ever plotted out like, oh, this year's going to look like this and it's ever gone that way. Every year has been sort of like a roller coaster. This last, you know, two plus years has been really unexpected. Yeah, gosh, I, I, what have I learned? Yeah, I, I can definitely relate, Mike, I think, to a lot a lot of what you're saying about just, you know, um, taking risks that when you're outside of your comfort zone, that's usually when you're, I think, you're just hungrier to challenge yourself and you just learn at this accelerated rate and you know i think everyone has sort of had to embrace that during the pandemic it's just like everything's accelerated like the idea of working from home or working remotely is just accelerated right if that was going to happen in 10 years like it's already been proven out and embraced and is now the status quo um so i it's it's i think just I think what I've I've learned is just to to kind of stay hungry and and just wait for those doors to open and when they do open just like you know run through them and again like when you find yourself in those like oh I'm committing to this or you know like no no one ever told me like oh next week is going to be like you know one of the more exciting projects in your career you know it just sort of it happens and it's usually like a year after the fact or like multiple years after the fact that you're like, oh, that was actually a really pivotal moment for me. I learned a lot and, you know, was sort of pleasantly surprised. You know, we've had to do, you know, a lot of like remote productions during the pandemic. So you're working with editors, you're working, maybe you're even like producing content remotely and just um, the challenges involved with, uh, you know, time differences and, you know, being at home and and sort of being present on location it's like kind of crazy so i yeah i I think it's all been just just good to have kind of that growth mindset and and embrace the the challenge and and uh and and see where it goes because it's it's always going to surprise you and i think the second you're like ah it's not really i'm not where i want to be or i'm not this isn't you know you're sort of potentially cutting yourself off from um something really really great so yeah, I, I'm with you, Mike. I think, you know, you know, just, just sort of take what you've got, take what you get. And um, I mean, I've been following along with your adventure over the last year. And I mean, it's incredible. It's really, really remarkable what you've built and, you know, just this incredible interactive stage presence, this like, you know, uh, immersive, like 
it, it just feels like that you've created a, an experience. It's not just a concert. It's like an experience. And thank you. I, yeah. I don't know I mean, if that's, that's like, that was the intent. That's exactly what I was hoping. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what I was hoping for it to I, be. And I, I haven't like, even experienced it. And it's like, I, I get it, you know, and I yeah. see, I see all the work that you're doing and I see the, it, it looks again at like, like beyond the studio feels like so much, you know, I would expect like a huge team of people are supporting the podcast. Like, I'm shocked exactly. to find that you, you are like, got this up and running and, you know, I see you sort of touring around, you know, to different cities and, um, just like bringing down the house and it's like insane. Um, and it's so rad and, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just so, uh, just impressed and, and, and wowed by your tenacity and your, your willingness to take that on. I mean, that's incredible because it's so different from, from what I know. I know oh, pianos, yeah. right? Like I know you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 a member of an ensemble. You know, you play guitar amazingly well, and just you know, you have a complete. It's a completely different genre of music. Um, so I can only imagine what it took to kind of retrain yourself and and sort of adopt. It's like I don't even know who this musician is. It's like you know, you're you're evolved. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's really exciting to see that you can, you can do that. Um, I think that's, what's fun about being just like an interdisciplinary artist, like for, uh, I think all of us find that where it's like, there's not just one direct thing that you just are interested in that you just hone in every bit of all of your energy. It's just, you, you like so many things that there's kind of splinters off of that, that there's always a core one thing, whether that be. You know, for me, it's just going to probably be like just like a kind of raw artistry, whether it be visual or music. But it's like there's so many things that are going to kind of spawn off of that. Whereas I think everybody kind of who really just dives into wanting to do art in some facet for the rest of their life, whether it be a career or not, but like they know they're going to be creating forever. I think most people are probably pretty interdisciplinary artists that just want to consistently learn and create um, and not just get stale. I think that's like the thing I always fear is just like not learning. Like I just, I, I, I want to be challenged. I want to be, I just don't want to stay in one place. I think that's the hardest thing for me to ever be is just still, which, you know, it might be a detriment in a lot of ways too, but I think that that's just my kind of way that I direct most of my artistic decisions and everything is I just never want to be stagnant. So yeah, I, I, learning. I, I can, I, I definitely relate to that. And, you know, I'm like, you know, I think Nicole and I struggle, like if we're being honest about things we're not good at, you know, I think we're not good at drawing boundaries. We're not good at saying like, I'm going to stop working now. Um, like it's just, um, and, and I think if you break it down, it's not because, we have to sometimes it's just like that that you know that desire to make it the best that it can be or just make it better definitely yeah um, definitely so you're right it is a little bit of a curse in the sense that you're you can't just you know like an accountant i've you know fulfilled totally my yeah. list of tasks yeah. for the day and i can call it right. a day and you know it's hard to turn off you know well, it's just, you don't turn it off you know yeah i was wondering if we'd mention our accountant no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's no turning off anything i think it's that it, it, i feel like it's just again could be a detriment but i feel like there's 
like even this morning, I woke up thinking about something that I had thought about going to sleep the night before, but the idea wasn't as clear as it was last night. And I spent hmm. most of the day today trying to kind of put the pieces back together. And it's like, yeah. normal people probably don't drive themselves insane that way. But I feel like <laughs> that's just most of where, you know, my thought space will go for most of it. But I think it's a good thing. It keeps it keeps me thinking. And that's all I really care about. I definitely relate to the boundaries thing. I feel like we're constantly having conversations of like, we got to set these boundaries with our work and blah, 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 blah. And then I'm always <laughs> like, I'm pushing the boundaries because I want to. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, but then we, we look at each other and we're like, shrug, that's fine. Like, it's okay. You know, yeah, we, we try to create these boundaries for times when we need them. And we allow ourselves to kind of push them because it's something that we want. But I feel like we also have made a lot of very purposeful life decisions to be able to support our ability to make those decisions. Like, you know, mm-hmm. obviously it was very purposeful for us to decide not to have kids, which has allowed us to mm-hmm. have a lot of flexibility within our work and within our art. And like we've always chosen if we had day jobs and supporting our art practice, we very specifically chose day jobs that we knew would be able to have the schedule flexibility so that we could do our art stuff. It's like, we've always been able to try to find ways to, I don't know, create and fudge boundaries based on our needs. And that probably will be something that we'll continue to keep doing. But I don't know through it, it, it helps to, I don't know, further con- like confirm within that it's the right path to follow. It's like I'm making these compromises against decisions I made for myself to protect myself, but mm-hmm. I'm making these compromises because I genuinely want to see how, you know, pursuing this path works. Like a prime example will be that, you know, I set some example or I set some boundaries for myself for work hours or I was like I'm only going to do these things on you know social media and emails on monday wednesday friday at these hours but like i definitely still find myself checking outside but then i'm like but we're doing a thing or or there's something i'm really excited about or you know we do our best (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but i guess what i would ask you what would you rather be doing exactly yeah what am i gonna do with that protected time think about the thing i wish i was doing instead Because I mean, like, I I think it's just that idea. I I think we're, you know, we're still motivated by like, who knows where Beyond the Studio has gone. Like it's already sort of exceeded expectations and just, you know, become this, uh, if you think about most podcasts don't make it to episode 100, right? Most podcasts aren't sort of garnering this kind of like attention or doing live events or doing like all these frontiers that you're breaking into now. That's that's sort of the 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 incentive that keeps you keeps you're like oh let's see how far this can go. It's not so much like will this next thing be the big hit or the big whatever. Like it's like is this let's just see how far it goes. Because um, I, I mean yeah Mike like you I'm you know feverishly like like rolling out of bed in the middle of the night and like jotting something down in the notes app. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know which is just filled with that'll probably be. Like at the end of my life, just 
like I'll just be in sitting in a bed like reading my notes app and I'll just be like <laughs> what was I thinking like yeah. what is this that's mean? most or, of my life is what was I thinking what was but, I thinking but you know I think it's going to be really entertaining um, and and ultimately you know it's like oh there's such there's great ideas here there's oh you know maybe it didn't quite happen or it hasn't happened yet but there's there's something to this and whenever you, you 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 hear an interview with someone who's made something, they've created something like a, a Lin Manuel Miranda, right? Just sort of broke onto the scene. It's it always starts with like, oh, I was humming into my phone at a party mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, and it's like it's exactly the, the process you described, where it's just like they're constantly tinkering, thinking about you know, in off hours, all times, all, just surrounding themselves with the right people to kind of bring these things to life and and then just seeing where it goes. I think there has to be that looseness too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't confine it to like exactly daytime hours or mm-hmm. any hours. It just sort of happens when it happens. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> the number of times that I just like keep myself up at night because I'm trying to resolve an issue that I can't let go in my head and I'm like, like the title for our talk, for example, I'm just like thinking it through just over and over, just switching word here and there. And I'm just like, I can't let it go. And <laughs> I guess that's, that's probably, that's a, I mean, it. it's, it's part of it though. I mean, you know, there's sleepless nights that you're going to have just because if, I don't know, as corny as it is, it's like, if, if you don't think about that kind of shit nonstop, it's like, how much do you care, How much about, do you care it? about it in that way? But not that shouldn't be the gauge. I don't mean that you have to like have an unhealthy relationship of thinking about your art and stuff nonstop to like have it be worth it. But I think for most people who really care about the thing that they're doing, it is really hard to turn your brain off from it. It's just, mm-hmm. especially if you're excited about something, at least personally, if I'm excited about something, Mm-hmm. I think like the anxiety of excitement is almost just as bad as the anxiety of failure for me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like it's it's it just things happening or or it it's exciting to to me and it keeps me up. It keeps me wanting to create. It keeps me wanting to take the next step. I feel like I wouldn't have thought that way had I, or I wouldn't think this way had I not just been having that itch forever of just like creating. And I think that most people who create feel that same way regardless what it is i mean i think everybody has some sort of driven passion in them that just that is the thing that keeps them up at night regardless what it is like there's something that keeps them up at night and you know i think people just think about the stuff they like creating or what they like doing and i don't know there's something freeing about that too as much as you might lose sleep over it there's something very freeing about letting your brain just kind of go to a place that's just you creating or thinking about the wildest ideas of stuff that you could or couldn't do in your life. Yeah. Like freeing and somewhat meditative too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a drive, like a driving force. It's just that the thought of like, Oh, when you, when you figure something out, like it's pretty gratifying. Definitely. And uh, you know, it, I think it, it, it's a process. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, you know, and I think it's just figuring out, it, it's just like sort of committing to that and, and wanting to do it. And, you know, I, I again, I'm just like, I, I think I've never really 
as a child, like I was never bored. Like, I think I always just, I, I had a very active yeah. imagination. I remember like if we were driving in a car for hours, I could just look out the window and just, you know, sort of imagine some crazy totally. thing happening in the horizon or, you know, sort of like, I don't know, this like epic, like this is going to sound really dumb, but like snowboard race, like totally. outside of the car, just, and, you know, with crazy tricks and just, you, you just sort of plug in your interests. Um, but like your, 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 your mind is always tinkering. And now as an adult, I think it's, it's like, it's just processing new challenges and problems. And like, how would I, how am I going to solve this? How am I going to fix this? What's, what's the remedy? There's almost a reward in that. Yeah. You know, like the, it's like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to be somebody who works doing something that they don't enjoy and it's like not thinking about thing like like the the thing that they want to do is really just like well i'm gonna come home and watch you know jeopardy like not saying there's anything wrong (laughs) careful mike (laughs) careful yeah like definitely not saying that there's anything wrong i just i feel like it's hard for well let me say it in the way it's hard for me to sit still in the way of like i feel like when i'm out of work or doing something my brain immediately goes to even on like my drive home of just like thinking about what you're creating what you're doing i mean there's something kind of rewarding about the chaos that my brain will go sometimes not and i'm Mm -hmm. sure a lot of people wouldn't want that but there's there is a reward to me about the fact that i think the way that i think Mm -hmm. and like there is like the constant battle of creation i i i count it as a reward in my head (laughs) Yeah, well, and Dave, I feel like so much of your work revolves around like idea generation and creative problem solving. So I think like recognizing yourself as someone who's kind of like predisposed to those things already, like being really imaginative as a kid and like always coming up with ideas and like always, you know, creating and trying to solve problems and like put these puzzle pieces together, I think makes you so good at what you do. And so I think some of it is being able to recognize what our own like interests and skill sets are and like how can we translate that into, you know, this work that we really care about. And that seems like one of the through lines that I've seen in, you know, the various like jobs and places you've worked has really been all about like generating big ideas and how can you connect that back to you know, wherever you're working, but it's like solving creative problems. And I feel like that urge is just hard to, or like that itch is hard to scratch no matter where you are. And I just see you like jump into new, new things and new problems, like whether or not it's connected to your workplace. So I think just kind of like what we're talking about, that idea of like, oh, you, you shut off at the end of the day. It's like you're, you know, the way your mind works doesn't, just like clock out after you're done with work. It's like, you're always looking for, you know, creative problems to solve, or you're always coming up with new ideas. Yeah, Mike, it's it's like what you said, like driving home from work, it's like, oh my gosh, this is this is free time to tackle the problem at hand. So like- to, uh, Totally, it's like, like- Yeah. It's like free time to then think about more shit that it's already taken up the space in your brain, but it's like, finally now i have time to figure out that problem yeah and it's like it, it's never just like did i eat a chipotle twice today it's never that <laughs> it's always just like 
what problem should I like figure out now that I have 22 minutes to just sit down and figure it out? Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. Again, for better or for worse, I'm sure people... Yeah, it's a blessing I'm and sure, a curse. <laughs> right. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are just like, that sounds like my hell. And I, I don't doubt it. But there's like this thriving thing that I live in in that hell that just yeah, I just enjoy. You like your hell. I do like the hell that I've built for myself. There's no doubt. I mean, I and just then haven't... after that, you come home and you help me with my hell. That I love yeah. very deeply. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Hell, my hell is not beyond the studio, by the way. Beyond <laughs> the studio is my heaven. As like, as cheesy as it is, I remember, like, Kyle had written a lyric years ago that said, "If it hurts, it's worth it," and I feel like there that always kind of stuck with me forever. Where it, I, I've always kind of felt that way. Where it's like, the the things that I feel like that you do, regardless what it is. I feel like when it just really drives you to a certain like insanity and it's not the most like it's definitely not cut and dry and like a blanket statement for everything because obviously there's terrible things that you are not worth it but I've always I've always kind of thought about that in terms of like how much I kind of give myself to the things I create or even down to like the friendships that I have, like the things that you just really dedicate the amount of time that you go to. Like I truly believe like when something disappears from your life or something is hard and it is really hard or like if it does hurt, I do think it is something that your brain is just like, well, it feels that way because you really care about it. And um, yeah, I think, I I don't know. I've always carried that kind of with me and it it always really has been something that, I've always felt pretty like, yeah, that's, that's true. (laughs) The struggle doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can actually be you just working through, you know, if you're willing to sort of like put yourself through these challenging times, like there's so many indicators that like, oh, there's an easier path. There's a a path more traveled. Um, But when you, you sat down and committed to, figuring out a whole new set and and really curated every piece of that experience and decided you were going to make it right. So many other artists would have just outsourced it or delegated to, you know, somebody who that it's their specialty, but I think it, it takes a special person to want to, to, to own that. And, and, you know, those, those make for the best artists. They understand every, everything that went into it has just been carefully considered. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what we tend to respond to. There's just so much, there's so many levels to it, right? So many levels of appreciation. It's not just like, you know, well, I wrote the the music, so I'm done, (laughs) right? It's just like the whole whole thing is just a really well-considered experience. And that's what that, you know, allows people to just obsess or really, you know, love it. so I think that's important. That's important is that the willingness to like not, not just stop doing something. Like I think about this all the time. Like in what I do, like often when you do something, again, like when you do it the first time, you you, you want to say that it's done. But if you have to do it again, um, usually it turns out better. So I, you know, it's it's sort of a weird, a weird thing to 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 own up to. But just like, 
you know, if I have to, to, to take a second crack at something, it turned, it usually turns out better. Definitely, um, yeah. Or, or like you kind of touched on this in the beginning, it's just like being okay with something that you do earlier on in the process. I find like if, if you, if you make something earlier in the process, uh, maybe your first idea is your best idea. You still have to do a lot of work to prove that it's the best idea by exploring other things. Totally, totally. So I think yeah. that that's where just the work ethic, the the commitment, the ability to just holding yourself to a higher standard, which entails that you're going to be thinking about it, putting in more hours, um, but ultimately making yourself a more critical, you know, just a, a more thoughtful. Um, you can get to those solutions faster, too, as you move forward. So I think it's like you put in the work now and then it's like not to invoke the 10,000 hour rule, but just like. It does come easier, right? But um, there's no, there's no, maybe, you know, maybe like it's, it's still just the, the passion and the pursuit. And um, if it's a hit, great, but it's really out of your control. I, I think, you know, so many of the, it, it, it's like what, what's happening in the zeitgeist, right? Like, so just think about it. It's not just that you're doing the work, you're putting the work in, but it's also what's happening in the world at that moment in order for you to then, take off so i think the only thing that you can do is be committed and be doing your work and you know and definitely then the world will say hey this is kind of cool um but never on your schedule <laughs> so no, yeah. no and i think that's almost like yeah the reward is knowing that you can like just if you can find satisfaction in creating then like whatever happens post that is amazing but finding the reward in the creation is the thing that's just like man i can't think of doing anything else that's mm -hmm. that's that's the reward is like the completion of like I created it. Anything else that happens after is amazing, but the reward is the the thing. I did well, it. Well, what could be better than touring on your music? I mean, I just feel exactly. like that like it exactly. doesn't, you know, maybe you sell more tickets, maybe it's a bigger venue, but like but at, at the end point, of the day, you're just, still doing yeah. it's still the same, you know, it's still you and it's still your music and so like you already have that, nobody can take that away from you. And I just think that's like, I think everything else is just sort of like the, it's just the business. It's the, you know, maybe you get to play an interesting venue that you've always wanted to play and someone opens for you and considers you like you've, you've established, but like, I don't know. I, I, I always feel like whenever somebody looks at me and is like, oh, you know, you're, you, you figured this out. It's like, I really don't feel that way i feel like you know I'm, I'm still very much a student of my craft and and oh yeah you know, definitely with so definitely. much to learn and i'm just i'm kind of like i would i wouldn't even consider myself like anywhere near the finish line or even midway right it's like you're you're, you're always sort of maybe feeling like oh i have i'm starting out or i'm i'm figuring this out or i'm endeavoring in this new way um so i think that's that feeling of like oh, am I where I'm supposed to be is like maybe not a healthy, um, a healthy mindset to have. Um, because as long as you are doing your thing, like, I think that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. 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 We're always learning. We're always trying to keep pushing towards our goals. And I know Nicole and I definitely relate to, <laughs> we're always like, we're not experts. We don't know what we're doing. We're, we're very much trying to figure it out, but it's, 
it can be extremely frustrating while figuring it out, but it also can be really fulfilling and enjoyable. And I think that sometimes those feelings are all happening simultaneously. Um, but I know I'll speak for myself. I know I really appreciate you, Dave and Mike, and the support that you've given to Nicole and I as we've you know, pursued our individual art projects, but also in how you've supported us in pursuing the podcast. I mean, you know, Nicole and I both in our own ways came up to you and we're like, we're going to try to do this thing that we've never done. And we're going to ask you for a lot of help. <laughs> and <laughs> you've given it freely. And I I know that we, we really appreciate you guys and appreciate having you on the podcast and, and being able to hear your insights and and bring you back on the show and thank you so much for for sharing what what y'all have been learning and no seriously though thank you guys and and thanks mike and amanda for staying up so late for this conversation it really has been such a treat to have um, you mike and dave on the podcast again that's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. Don't forget, if you're a fan of the podcast, please leave us a rating and review, submit to our listener spotlight, and if you want to support the podcast by making a tax-deductible donation, head over to our website, beyondthe.studio. And don't forget to submit your audio or email for next week's episode to beyondthestudiopodcast at gmail.com.